0: Belinda Granger, former professional triathlete and the professional liaison for Challenge Family, and you're listening to a very special series of the official Challenge Family podcast. As the biggest triathlon event of the year is coming up soon, we decided to make a special series of podcasts interviewing some of the amazing pro athletes who will be racing at the 2020 PTO Championship at Challenge Daytona. In these podcasts, we'll be talking to some of the world's best long and short course athletes, who will be battling it out for the $1 million prize purse. Before I introduce my first guest to the podcast, I have some amazing news for all of you. There is still time to register for Challenge Daytona, so you can race on the same course as all of these incredible world-class athletes. There are events for the entire family from sprint to middle-distance triathlon, an aquabike, sprint and middle-distance duathlon. Uh, there are junior races and even a 5-10k run. Just visit Daytonacom to find all the information you need to register. Well, I think that's enough talking from my side. It's time for a coffee. And welcome back to Coffee Calls with Belinda, the special PTO Championship slash Challenge Daytona edition. I have a very special guest with me again today, uh, and she's a, one, of, one of the favourites. I think she's renowned around the world as being one of the smiliest athletes on the circuit uh, welcome Jodie Stimson hello hey Belinda thank you for having me oh it is my pleasure thank you for coming on the, on my little podcast um now Jodes we've met several times before but I have to admit I haven't seen you although that was very nice to see your face then on video um but I haven't actually seen you for quite some time just for our audience um firstly how are you going and where are you right now in the world yeah I'm
1: going really well to be honest like what the PTO is putting on is and and it's exactly what i needed um it's been uh, to say it's been a, a bad year is to put it mildly really it's been mildly. oh it's probably been the worst year of my life it has definitely um and i this couldn't have come at a better time for me so yeah i'm really excited and it's nice to be in a positive frame of mind and something to, to aim for. Um, I'm actually in the UK at the minute with our glorious coming into winter weather. Um, but, yeah, it, it you know what? I It's nice to not really care about the weather because I'm excited to get over to Daytona.
0: And obviously, yep, yeah, you've just mentioned Daytona and the PTO Championship, so you've obviously been training training for that race, um, you received a special invite from the Challenge Daytona team. So how is the training going so far for that race? I mean, obviously, you're you're traditionally from uh, an ITU background, a short course background, and when we talk about short course, we mean Olympic distance or sprint distance. Uh, now, this is a really strange distance and obviously one that you haven't done before. So how's the training been going for this particular event and have you had to change it completely different to what you used to? um not a. these obviously
1: bits that I've had to change um like swimming hasn't had to change apart from it's been nice to actually get back into a swimming pool full stop um
0: <laughs> I can imagine yeah
1: um and I mean the biking yeah that's changed I've like awesome from Savello to send me out um a time trial bike so I've actually been on there probably for about a month now um so I've Got some good miles on there and actually doing like I did I did quite a big session for me yesterday um and did a small run off that. Um and so it has changed slightly. Like the mileage has definitely kind of gone up um on the bike a little bit. Um and running wise running hasn't necessarily changed too much. Um mainly because You know what? It's going to be so fast, this race, that I still need to try and get this speed. So, I mean, it makes me nervous thinking about how fast these girls run for
0: 18K. It's going to be interesting. But, that, you know what, for me, um, getting the opportunity to speak to short-course athletes has been quite fascinating because obviously I watch watch the short-course racing around the world and we know how incredibly fast you guys are. Um, So it's quite fascinating for me to – see just the slight changes that you make obviously what everyone's saying is the bike is the biggest change and you're going from road bike obviously to a time trial frame which is a huge change in itself
1: oh yeah definitely I mean when I mean I know these girls can ride I've I've had the pleasure of training with some of them uh, like Annie Hoag, Lisa Norden just to name two of them that you know yeah. I know these girls can put some serious watts down but I think the biggest challenge is, yeah, I could like I can ride with them and I can, you know, compete with them, but it's a totally different ball game when you're trying to put the power down in such an aero aggressive position. Um, and mm. that's gonna be like, especially with this race, that's gonna be a real game changer is putting the, the wattage down in and holding that aero position.
0: No, I agree. And and Jodie, just just for our audience, I mean obviously you are a phenomenal athlete in your own right over the shorter distances. I mean, just to name a few of your results, Commonwealth Games gold in 2014 Glasgow in both the individual and also in the relay. Uh, you're a multiple ITU World Cup podium and oh, first place getter and podium uh, and uh, podium in the overall series. I mean, your results are crazy, crazy good over the shorter distances and just talking to you before, I thought you'd only done one um, half-distance race, but you've actually done two. And, of course, your last half-distance race was 70.3 Bahrain at the end of last year where you were second. So we know you're no slouch over this distance either, but obviously still a rookie at the longer distance. Oh uh, Yeah, I'm definitely –
1: like, I kind of went in there and was just kind of like, oh, this is – and I'm kind of seeing it as such a learning experience and kind of going into, you know – challenge Daytona and like kind of going into next year as well. It's um, i it, you have to learn your trade and like, yeah. I've got so much respect for these long girls that, you, you know, you can't just rock up and, and kind of take it. it. It's you have to really learn something, learn your trade. And it's just, it's nice to be in the position where I am the rookie. Um, and it's nice to kind of, you know, each race there's something to take away and to learn from, um, and yep. I'm learning so much in training um, and, yeah, going into going into the race. It's, yeah, of course, you know, I've, I've had some good results, but 70.3 is a whole other level.
0: Yep. And, of course, this particular distance that they've decided, that the PTO have decided on, which we call the 100K, um, I was lucky enough on the weekend to attend a race that was the exact distance and it was quite interesting to see. Um, we had a few short course athletes racing against the longer course athletes and, it was interesting because it is a fair bit shorter than than your traditional half distance um being a two k swim which is slightly longer than our half distance uh and then eighty k bike eighteen eighteen k run so I'm assuming you've never done that distance before, so it's going to be very interesting to see uh just how the short course athletes stack up against the long course athletes in your opinion, do you think it suits the shorter course athletes more so than the longer or vice versa oh um
1: I think because, like, I, I obviously I, I know the the women side of things, but I I know that the the seventy point three specialists are are still so fast, and I don't think mm-hmm. you necessarily have to change your Olympic distance training um, to raise seventy point three. And I think when you've got people like like Holly Lawrence, um, like, and these mm-hmm. and these girls that are so fast, I think. You've almost got, like, a different... It's not just Olympic distance and Ironman athletes. You've got 70.3 specialists. So, yeah. I think there's, like, there's some athletes... I think it's definitely easier to go from Olympic to 70.3 than Ironman to 70.3. Um, I think when you do start going to that Ironman, it, I mean, that's super hard then to try and bring your speed back when you've, you know... Had to endure the pain for so long in that longer distance. I think, kind of, it'll be to me. You've still got those seventy point three specialists that are gonna be the ones to that are gonna be scrapping.
0: No, I I agree. It's gonna be it's gonna be very very interesting. But um, now let's talk a little bit more about your background. So I was doing a little bit of research today, of course, and I didn't realise. Just how young you were when you started the sport of triathlon. I mean, to me, you're still a youngster. I mean, you're what you're 31 now, so you're still a you're still a you're still a baby in my eyes, Jokes. Um, but you actually started way back when you were eight, and I actually really loved just your, your story of how you started. And I think obviously your dad, Ian, and your uncle played a huge part in 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 starting your triathlon career. And it was a really lovely story to read today. I mean, I didn't know it so. Um, I had a lot of fun reading the background um, and to see you now still in the sport at 31 and still so young, particularly if we talk about long-course athletes. I mean, you're a spring chicken as far as long-course triathlons concerned. concerned. Um, but, yeah, I mean, talk us through just how important your your dad um, has been in your career and also your uncle because I, I found the story quite fascinating.
1: Yeah, like the dad's um, – that's why this year was kind of so – it was kind of the worst year of my life yep. I, I lost my dad um in january um yep. and he he, he, he is my rock he's everything to me um and i suppose it's kind of it's it's taken this year to i it never it was weird because i've had my most consistent year of training really i had a little bit of a, a hiccup in the middle of the year but um like when i lost dad it kind of just put me in this bubble of just just ticking over things um and but he he gave me he gave me the love of triathlon and I think that was the greatest gift that somebody can give me is that you know he he gave me the opportunity I'd say to to follow my dreams and you know when you ask when you ask a kid oh what did you want to do when you were younger and I kind of still like I I, I I checked with mom I was like did I ever say anything else and she was like nope She said, you always wanted to be an athlete. You always wanted to. And then when you did your first triathlon, the the memory that I have is I crossed the line and straight away dad was there. And straight away, it was that big kind of dad hug and that feeling of him being proud. Um, And, you know, it just it gives you goosebumps, doesn't it? And, you know, I'll I'll never forget. That feeling and it kind of went from an eight-year-old crossing the line and winning, you know, this tiny little race to me crossing the line in Glasgow at the Commonwealth Games and doing exactly the same thing. And Dad was there and giving him that massive hug and having him look at me when I stood on that podium. Um,
0: oh, now, now, now you're giving me goosebumps because I absolutely understand the feeling. I mean, it's... Even though I was nothing, nowhere near the athlete or got, had the results you've had, I mean, my background's exactly the same. My dad got me into sport. He was my biggest fan. He still is. He's I call him my stats man. He knows more about my career than I, I can ever remember. So I think your story really hit home with me and I can only imagine, you know, what an impression your dad's uh, left on you. And, and I know this must have been one of the, well, not one of the hardest year of your life when you lost him earlier this year. Uh, I, I don't think I can even imagine what you went through. But I'm sure he's going to be looking down incredibly proud when you are toe-the-line in Daytona in December, that's for sure. Oh, definitely. Like,
1: it, it it's, it's kind of – it's stuff that it's it's. – I'm trying to make, put a smile on my face. like for and, and these are the kind of good things that, you know, I've had um, an, an aero helmet done that's got, like, momentums to him. Um, and kind of oh, that, oh, wow. it's just – it's, you know, I always – not just raced for dad, but you know he was a big part of it, and he made you know the results so much more special. But like he's still he's still here with me, um, and that's going to continue, and it's just gonna it will make me stronger. Um, and he, he you know what like racing on on Challenge Daytona, he he was a car fanatic. Um, oh seriously! Yeah. Love it then. Oh my god! <laughs> and he's you know what he he's gonna love watching me.
0: Oh, Willie, what? Oh, that's really cool. Um, it's funny because your story about wanting to be an athlete from a very, very young age. It reminds me when I spoke to Sebastian Kinlay earlier this year because he showed us a little project that he did as in kindergarten or not in kindergarten in primary school. Where they asked the kids what they wanted to be when they grew up, and you know, everyone was a doctor or a policeman or a fireman, and he said, I want to be a professional triathlete. And everyone laughed at him because, you know, that was that wasn't a career, that was that was just silly talk. Um, so it's awesome to see someone like yourself, you know, obviously had that dream from a very, very young age. Your dad was able to nurture that dream, and you know, you've been living the, the life of a professional athlete now for how many years, Jodie? How many years have you been a professional athlete? I mean, oh,
1: I think like I, as soon as I <laughs> as soon as I left high school, I um I got a gym instructor's job, and yep. but that like I got a gym instructor's job only in the mindset of right, I'm gonna save all my money, and then as soon as I can, I'm gonna go and be a professional triathlete, and I did. That's exactly what I did, and I kind of spent my first winter on the Gold Coast um in Runaway Bay, and finished that winter training block. And had nothing in my bank, but then that year I raced, and from that point I was like, "Well, I'm making money to follow my dream now," Um and that's to this day. So you know, I'm extremely wow. lucky to be able to do that.
0: And how old were you back then when you were at Runaway Bay? Uh, I spent my 18th birthday there. So oh, yeah, <laughs> that's incredible. You were am oh, so young. Oh, I love these stories. That's that's incredible. And you and you've never. I mean, I know you've had a, a little bit of injury, but that come. That's part and parcel, particularly with short course training. I think with the, with the ITU style training, I think you're just prone to a few more injuries than say the longer distance. And I know you've had a few injury woes over the years, but you've never seemed to have lost your way or lost direction of where you want to be. Or where you where you're going?
1: No, I think it, you know what it, it is such a roller coaster being a you know professional athlete, and it's because we love what we do so much, and it's not exactly yep. a you know a nine to five job where you can then you, you want to switch off. Um, I never, I never want to switch off from what I do because I love doing what I do. That's what I suppose that's what makes injuries so hard for me personally. I don't deal with them very well because. I'm missing doing what i love um and that that's the you know and i yeah i've had some i've had some rough years um but hopefully it's coming out the other end now and and I get to go and do what i love and and go do some races
0: and now tell us i mean obviously you 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 are in um over in-, in written at the moment whereabouts exactly are you based i mean tell this is for the the idiots like myself that. Uh, failed geography at school but whereabouts are you based explicitly
1: so like i kind of split my time between uh loughborough and birmingham um okay birmingham birmingham is is home the west midlands is home i'm a black country girl born and bred um and loughborough is kind of where my training group is um right so i'll kind of split my time between um loughborough
0: and home and so you're in Loughborough now, though. Is that where you are right now? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And who who are you actually being coached by? So you, you, you mentioned that that's where your training squad is. So do you have a specific coach there and obviously uh training squad that you are training with on a daily basis?
1: Yeah. So I, I'm coached by Admelia. I have been, um, I think we're kind of going into the third or fourth year um and he is the performance coach uh one of the performance coaches um at Loughborough Uni um and I I do train with a very young group uh which is great they keep me on my toes um
0: (laughs) (laughs) so funny to hear you so funny for you to say you you train with a very young group when I think of you as so young well it's (laughs) it's quite refreshing to hear you say that because I definitely
1: feel old when I'm (laughs) over here like these guys aren't I mean it's So people like Sophie Caldwell.
0: Sophie Caldwell, yeah, of course. I mean, I know, I've seen that you've been doing a fair bit of training with Sophie and she's, what, 25, maybe, 24? Yeah,
1: 20, oh, God, uh, yeah, yeah. mid-20s. But, like, yesterday, like, for example, I had um, my TT session and she basically sat on my wheel for the whole session. But it was weird in just having someone's presence there, like, it just helps. Um, And, you know, we've got this really good this really good training relationship uh, but also a really good friendship which is, it's nice, you know, it's nice to train with friends.
0: Absolutely. No, it makes a huge difference. And that's an interesting thing you said there, even though you're on the front doing the time trailing and you're the one pushing the watts, it does make a huge difference knowing that someone is still there sharing the hurt with you to a certain extent oh
1: definitely I mean um I had a bike fit so like for me I'm actually quite aero so she had to actually push out some watts as well to stay on the wheel to stay there good I'm glad you made her work for it yeah so I mean that was quite nice to know that like she's having to she's having to work just as hard as me to sit behind
0: Uh, and now listen talking about British athletes I mean it 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 never ceases ceases to to amaze me me, just just how much talent. talent Is coming, coming out of that, out of that country. country. I mean, I mean just, just in Challenge Daytona alone, so at the PTO Champs, you've got yourself, you've got Holly Lawrence, you've got Katrina Matthews, Ruth Astle, um, Fenella Landridge, Lucy Hall, uh, Emma Pallett and, oh, there's one more, Nikki Bartlett. I mean, this is ridiculous. I, I think you guys have more females racing than any other country, um, including the US, and... Every single athlete I've just mentioned is top shelf. Like they are awesome athletes. Um, what is in the water over there? Seriously.
1: I think, I mean, that's what, I mean, I've, I, I suppose I've always competed and the British team has been so strong. Um, and I think that's what raises the bar is that when you've got a super strong team, to even be amongst those women you've got to raise the bar and you've got to otherwise you you won't make the start line and I think you know that's what that's what keeps us you know super motivated is that if we don't if we don't keep training we don't keep pushing then we won't get on the start line um but it's so motivational to have you know that list of women to kind of look up to and and to kind of admire and, and it's great to be among them
0: Oh look, and 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 the greatest thing as well is, I mean, it's not just long course athletes. I mean, you not only have the greatest long course athletes in the world, you've got the greatest short course athletes too. So you're in a win-win situation, as you said, as as in having motive, so much motivation and so much talent coming out of that country. It just um, and I haven't even mentioned Lucy Charles or Barclay or or a couple of other girls, Simone Mitchell. There's a few others that aren't actually racing, um, that are also just as incredible. So, um, and, and and I haven't mentioned the men either, but we don't need to mention the men. We'll save that for another day. No, we've enough. We've got enough amazing women to talk about. Them. We don't need to go there. Um, so, yeah, it, it's just it's incredible, and I I can't wait to see you all over there. Um, giving it to the rest of the world—that's for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been as I said, like when I started, like looking up to athletes like Jodie Swallow, Liz Blatchford, um, Helen Jenkins. Like, like we've we always seem to have had these. You know, big groups of, of very um awesome women that have been on on the top shelf of, of triathlon, and you know that's really exciting that this is still this is still coming and like these athletes just seem to be, you know, still coming out of the woodworks and still dominating, and you know it's it's great to be you know racing with you know, and such a large amount of great British yeah. women.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. I it. You know, it's funny. You think, oh, surely they'll—it's got to stop soon—but it just keeps coming. So you get right it. It's—it's—it's it's, it's really impressive. Now, let's talk about the PTO champs uh, specifically. Obviously, first time for the PTO championships um, to be held, uh, and they've chosen Challenge Daytona. What I love most about this race, when they started, um, when we started assembling the field, um, obviously we knew it was going to be the strongest field. Ever assembled of long distance athletes. But then they threw in a bit of a curveball for us when they started, um, giving some wild cards to the best short course athletes in the world as well. And, and then of course over this unique 100 kilometer total distance. Um, so really it is the strongest overall triathlon field, I suppose you could say ever, ever seen before. Um, and there are so many athletes. Who could technically win on any given day? I actually, obviously get asked all the time, who are my picks? But I, I actually literally can't give a pick. Um, because it's just such a unique situation. So what are you, what's your take on that? Um, if I have to put you on the spot, Jody, who would be your top three pick for the men? We won't go women. We don't need to talk about But if I was to ask you, who would be your top three pick for the men for this particular race? Um, who would that be? Um,
1: I I definitely think Alistair um, Yeah, and that's not just because he's a Brit. <laughs> um, no, no, I don't. Um, I think he's shown that he's now getting his old Alistair back by the previous two World Cups that he did. I mean, that run that he had with um, yeah. Vincent Louis. um yeah. I think that that just shows that he's coming into the old Alistair form. Um, so I definitely think he's going to be up there for the win um and my other picks were like it depends on if um Christian Bumland um calf is better or whatever problem he had with his leg um because I would say that he would be on the podium um and then the third one I to be fair I I definitely think you're gonna have Three short-course athletes on the men's side. Yep,
0: yep. And do you think that's that's because, I mean, obviously the likes of Alistair Brownlee, uh, I think we've really seen him mature over the years into such an, when I say all-round athlete, I mean he's always been a phenomenal short-course athlete. We know that. But I think he's an all-round athlete in that he's he he's one of the best over any distance he decides to, to, to line up for. Um, that's why I think he is such a threat in this race, particularly... Uh, an Alistair Brownlee that's fit, healthy, and has his mind right where it needs to be, and, and just like you said, that's what we're seeing right now. I
1: think that's the main thing with Alistair is as soon as he gets any sort of consistency, he's up there for the win. Like, and yeah. that's literally that's literally it. if he can if he can be consistent in training and you know pull himself back when he needs to pull back, um, then he's up there for the win for sure. And I think he's kind of you know what, he, he seems really relaxed at the minute and just enjoying the process, um, yeah. which I think he's doing in his great steads. And, and you can tell he's enjoying doing what he's doing again. And I know that a massive part of that is when you are able to push those limits in training. Um, so it's just being able then to balance that of pulling back as well so you can push in certain yeah. sessions. Yeah.
0: And and what do you think about our younger brother Jonathan? So obviously this will be, I'm assuming this is going to be Jonathan's first time over such a long distance. I mean, I could be wrong. I mean, maybe he's done it before um, in a smaller, like not not such on a big scale um, event. But um, I'm assuming this is probably the first time particularly over this distance um, that we're going to see Jonathan line up. But it'll be interesting to see how uh, he fares over the distance as well.
1: Yeah, I think he's... I think he's been definitely putting the training in. I think he was he was down to do the World Cup um a few weeks ago but wasn't there and then I saw that he was doing some training on the TT bike. So if he's been putting, you know, the the, the training sessions in that are needed, then he's another one to watch. Um you know what, it this is what's exciting about this race. It's it's exactly. so unknown, isn't it? It's like no like COVID aside, you'd really don't know how some of the short courses are going to go. Um, Are they going to go out too hard and absolutely blow up? Because even though it's, you know, 3K shorter than a half, 18K is still a fair whack to be running fast. Absolutely, yeah. And they've still got to run off an 80K bike that, I mean, your legs are going to be absolutely howling at you. So it's going to be so interesting to see how the short course athletes – um are able to cope with it
0: yeah and it's almost like jodes it's almost like they they need to show just a a little bit of patience and almost have to consciously pull themselves back a bit so for example someone like vincent louis i watch him time and time again um race phenomenally well over the distance that you know halves and and and, uh, sorry excuse me over olympic distance and sprint distance And obviously he's used to running a certain pace that he knows he can hold. And so it's going to be interesting to see if someone like Vincent Louis is just going to say, well, stuff it, I'm just going to try and hold it for an extra 8K, or whether he's consciously going to pull back a little bit um, just to be on the safe side. And part of me doesn't want them to pull back. I want them to just go for it and see what's possible. I think you will get, I think you'll get some short
1: course athletes that will do that um my god I did it in in Bahrain with Holly I went out of I went out that run and like I'd even put my watch on and everything I was like right I've got I'm gonna be sitting there it all went out the window when you're in that race situation it's like you you just don't you just don't think logically and like I kind of ran straight up to Holly and caught her up far too fast and the last uh, the last 5k of that run oh my god I could have entered the speed walking I was absolutely (laughs) in bits but I think you're definitely going to get some short course athletes do that um Vincent I think he's actually a really smart racer I think if anyone's gonna do it and do it quite smart um I think he'll be the one um but yeah, you're definitely going to get some ITU athletes that are just going to go, oh, I don't know, I just need to race. And to be honest, that excites me as well. Like going in there and being so unknown and just like, it's a race scenario. You know what? I'm just going to enjoy racing. And if I come out, if I come out good, I'll come out good. If I come out not so good, well, I've learned that lesson. But I've enjoyed trying.
0: Yep, yeah, you've got nothing to lose. And, you know, you, you, you brought up a really interesting point because – Obviously, on the weekend, I was talking to a couple of the females that were racing at Harvey Bay, and the likes of Ellie Salthouse, um, it's been 13 months since she last raced. Uh, and that's just crazy for me to think, uh, you know, when a lot of you guys are used to racing, you know, maybe not so much on a weekly or biweekly um, basis, but... You Know at least in race season, um, you're racing once a month at the very least, and so for, for to have 13 months of no racing, um, I'm not sure when your last race was, Jodie. Uh,
1: December, it was December, crazy. so mine,
0: December. yeah, so mine was, um, yeah. mine
1: actually challenged Bahrain, uh, sorry, it was Bahrain, uh, in December, December with Holly, you, yeah, and yeah. um, so mine will be 12 months, um, without racing, yeah,
0: and th- I mean, that's that's that poses some interesting um i don't say problems but just some interesting questions because i mean you know as well as i do you can do all the greatest training in the world but nothing beats uh race simulation um than actually doing a race
1: oh definitely like i've done i
0: mean I did my first
1: um, run off the bike yesterday and I was like, oh, my God, I need to put a few more of these in before (laughs) Daytona.
0: Oh, the worst feeling ever,
1: isn't it? I was like, jeez. I mean, running off an Olympic distance bike, I actually prefer running off a bike usually. um, But having the longer session yesterday on the TT bike, I was like, oh, I need to put some more of these in for sure. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, it's you rusty going into these, going into a first race, and it's just like silly things like transitions and making sure you fuel right. And but like with an Olympic distance or a sprint, you can maybe get away with it a little bit, but yeah, with a longer distance, there's no getting away if you you know don't fuel enough because it's going to come and bite you in the ass quite quickly. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's going to take a lot of concentration, I think, to try and. Eliminate those first race mistakes because it's the first race and the only race of this year for a lot of people.
0: A lot of people. That's right. I mean, that's the only saving grace I think, Jodie, is that you going going over there knowing that you're not going to be alone. That there's quite a few athletes uh, that haven't raced at all this year. But one of the nice things about this race um, that I'm not sure all our audience realizes that obviously the PTO recently increased the prize purse. Which was already phenomenal. Let's be honest. From, you know, one million US dollars to one million one hundred and fifty thousand, um, US dollars. So basically everyone that crosses that finish line is going to take home a, a paycheck, which to me is just, it's how racing should be. It's how it should be in our sport. Um, I think our sport is at a point where everyone that crosses that finish line as a professional athlete deserves to be paid. Um, but it rarely, if not ever, it never happens. So um, that might, must be, as a professional athlete yourself, that must be a nice feeling knowing that you know, as long as you finish the job, you will be you will be paid.
1: Oh, it, it's awesome to to think that that you know, like that that's kind of at least you're not going to be out of pocket. Um, yes, going yes, over and so racing, is. and I think that that's you know. That's an absolutely huge thing to... Yeah, of course, you're going over there and you're not just going over there to finish. Like, you no. you know, you, you're starting on that start line and every athlete on there is, is racing for the win. Um, but to to know that you're not going to be out of pocket when you finish the race um, is absolutely amazing. And, like, to have a race like this, I don't think I've ever raced in a race where that's been the case, that every athlete finishes is going to get paid.
0: Yeah, that exactly. I mean, I know that the ITU, uh, does it very well. I mean, you get, there's a majority of athletes that get paid in in the World Cup series. But yeah, I I think for me personally, this is the first time a race is actually going to pay everyone. And I think it's because the PTO sees the uh the pro athletes as assets that they need to nurture and that what they want you to succeed. They want you to be able to keep continuing to train and get better at your craft, and they don't see you as a budget line that needs to be cut. Uh, they they want to nurture you. They want you to be the best you can be. Um, and that's been something that's impressed me from the start, particularly with the PTO championships. I mean, the PTO have been supporting races all around the world this year with prize purses, which I think has been wonderful. And I know that for some of the pro athletes, it's been a blessing. It's been the only way they've actually made some money this year. Um, and so it's, it's really quite refreshing for someone like me who's been in the sport for a long, long time to finally see um you guys getting what I think you deserve
1: oh it's awesome it's kind of like I definitely see what the PTO are doing it's kind of they're not just seeing us as athletes in one way they're seeing us as people and like we need to we need to ultimately uh, no one does triathlon for the money it's it's you know (laughs) You don't go oh i'm gonna go and i'm I'm gonna compete in Triathlon because it's absolutely plastered with money. You just don't do that. you do it for the love of no, triathlon, no. which is the yeah. great thing um and I think that's what they're nurturing is like they're allowing us to like eventually just try and without without that burden of you know that money coming in and we get to more focus on the process than you know having to go and do. These other races that we wouldn't necessarily do because, like, we're going for a championship or or something. It just it seems like they're really looking after the athletes.
0: No, I agree, and I think what I've I've really been impressed with is, uh, apart from the actual race itself and the prize purse, which of course is always nice. Uh, I know when you're over there, when you actually get to Daytona and you're all settled in in the little bubble that they've that they've created for you over there, um, they're going to actually. Give all of you a lot of specific media training, um, and I've seen what that what the program is and what they're actually going to deliver. And I don't think there's been a race on this planet that's actually invested in this type of thing before. Um, and it's quite interesting. And I know some some athletes are amazing and they're able to take to media. They know what the media wants. They know how to talk in front of, in front of a crowd. But it's not a given that every athlete knows how to do that. Or how to 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 behave or act in front of certain people, um, getting sponsorships. So I think this is a really nice tool um that they're gonna to give to all of the athletes while they're actually in Daytona. I'm not sure if you actually knew that they were doing that, by the way, Joe. No, able. I didn't know. <laughs> I tell you what, there like you everything that comes out though, it just gets better and better.
1: Like yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. what they're doing, sure. it's just it is, it's like, it's kinda of like it's a like a win-win relationship. It's like you know we get to go and put on you know this show if you like of like you know all this hard work that we're doing and going of you know you know race against each other and put on this great race and but then we're getting so looked after by yeah. doing what we love to do it's you know it's they're doing an amazing thing and you know it, you know in one way it's really refreshing and you know it's about time that that triathlons kind of get in the getting at the forefront of what it's deserved
0: no look i agree and i know i know the team in challenge daytona uh really they really agree with the with the road that they're following and i know with the live broadcast that they've got organized it's um going to be something that we've never seen before so it's quite i keep i'm like you every day i I speak to either the the team in daytona or i speak to dylan mcneese from the pto and each day i keep finding out more and more exciting things that are gonna happen. And I think particularly in this year, it's a crazy year. It's it was almost it was almost too much to think that this was actually going to happen, but it is. Um and so now to hear all of these amazing things that are actually going to come out of this race as well. And one thing that you've just said it, it which really resonates with me, Jody, is it is about that reciprocal relationship. It's not just about well what can you do for me? It's what can we do for each other. How can we work together? Um to make our sport the st- like the same as say the likes of golf and tennis and all those other sports that have been up there at the top of the up the top of the media for so many years.
1: Oh yeah, like I mean that's what, what that's one of the things that I love about triathlon. It's it, you can it, it's like this big family kind of. You go to a race and you can talk to you know an age group or an elite, and you kind of all have this passion for for triathlon and. I mean it's great that you then you know the elites are racing on the same circuit as the age groupers and it's like a kids race and you know it's it's growing that family um which is going to grow triathlon um and even from when I started when I was eight years old it's grown so much and it's great to see you know where it's heading.
0: No look I totally agree with you and It is quite exciting because I love the fact that they've split the pro races so that the pro women get their own race and the pro men get their own race. So, you know, obviously we're not starting the pro men's race till the pro women's race is completely finished. Now, you're used to that. In ITU, you've been doing it for years, but obviously we haven't done that in the longer distance racing. And I love the fact that we are splitting all the races up so that each race gets its own time and it's... um own own time to shine, so to speak and and like you said i'm glad that the women go first because it means that we, you guys get to get to watch the men racing and vice versa so it's just it's a really exciting um program
1: oh definitely i think it it's great when you separate the men and the women 's race, I think otherwise then you know i mean we've had it in the past where the focus has been on the men's and, and maybe in some races the focus has been on the women um but like uh, then you don't it's kind of their they're just as good as each other's race. Do you know what I mean? And it's, and it's kind of, then you can showcase, okay, this is the women. This is the best women in the world that are racing now. Yeah. And then you go over to the men. It's like, right, this is their time. And it's like, this is the best men's start-up. And it's like, it, it, it's nice to kind of give them like the the, the show light like and, and kind of focus, okay, women and they focus on the men and you don't have to fluctuate between races.
0: Um, exactly, and then you don't miss anything either. No, exactly right. No, and it's, I, I'm really happy about it. And I'm not sure if you've taken a look um, at the way that the setup is in Daytona. I was lucky enough to go over to the race for the first time last year, and it's a sight to behold. Uh, I had no idea just how big this NASCAR track was, like the Daytona NASCAR track actually is. It is huge, like mind-blowingly huge. <laughs>
1: It looks I've seen some of the photos, and I mean the photos look of course I've tried to do my research, and like you know i've tried- I've tried to do some research before the race, and um it looks absolutely amazing, and some of the you know the short video clips and, and the videos that I've seen, I don't think it, but you know what I don't think it's going to do it justice until
0: I get there, yeah true i mean i knew i I knew it was a long track, so obviously you know I knew it's four and a half kilometers around. But I think the thing that blew me with away the most was just how wide the track is so from the and it's obviously very like it's quite banked um so from if you're standing at the top of of the course right down to the bottom I had no idea just how wide it actually was so it's actually quite interesting and i I'll be really interested to see the tactics played um by obviously you the women and the men when it comes to Trying to get away from some of the women. So obviously we expect a good, a big group of women out of the water together, all you speedsters in the, in the, in the water. Um, but then it'll be really interesting to see if any tactics come into play for you women trying to separate or trying to, to get away from that main pack and using the actual banked track to do so. We saw a couple of the athletes do it last year. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if anyone has a really good crack at it this year at trying to get away.
1: I think you're going to, I think it's definitely going to be so interesting. I think it's, you're going to have this group of, you know, faster swimmers coming out. Um, but then you're going to have these Uber powerhouse bikers that are going to be coming from behind. Um, but they've also got to get past this massive 20 meter exactly. gap. Yes. So
0: 20 meters. Yep, yep, yeah, exactly. It's
1: absolutely huge to try and then pass in that 20 meter gap. And they're going to have to put some serious power down to kind of, get past so you're going to have this like you can't have this group of athletes settle at the front otherwise they're just going to get swallowed up by these uber bikers but then the uber bikers have got the challenge of kind of jumping around these massive gaps and it's only a four you know 4k loop um so they like like each kind of wherever you are in the race you you kind of have to deal with these own battles within the race and kind of it's so, it has been absolutely nothing like this
0: before. No. And we were actually doing some scenarios because obviously we've been talking about some of the race scenarios that could occur. And obviously with some of you superfish, um, swimming so incredibly fast, we're wondering if there will be an instance either in the men's or the women's race where there is a group of superfish get out of the water and actually be able to complete a full loop. Before the slower swimmers but the like you said the suggested the uber riders uh actually get onto the track now we're not saying it's going to happen but it, it, it's certainly a possibility well yeah i mean so you could technically be a lap down yeah and you've got like i mean Law,
1: uh, lauren brandon like she's like she yeah. is she's gonna i would say she's one of them that could lead the swim you've got lucy hall you've got holly lawrence um you know it's going to be, like, for me personally, it's going to be, I think it's going to be literally a long course race of just hanging on for as long as possible to whoever <laughs> is in front of me and, like, but it's, yeah, it's going to be so exciting, like, to kind of, there's going to be battles within battles, there's going to be so many different battles happening in different groups on the bike, then when you get onto the run, the same thing's going to happen. Um but the unknown is just
0: so exciting. And now, Jodie, just tell us, so you've been able to train as normal where you are right now. You Have you still got pools open where you're situated?
1: Yeah, so we kind of had um, three months, I would say, with no pool. Um, okay. So we couldn't, I mean, at that point it was warm-ish, like it'd be freezing for you guys, but it was, so I actually went in and... Hey, what are you, what
0: are you trying, to, trying to say? We're soft.
1: I've seen some of your posts of like, when you put your wetsuit on, I don't think you would have dipped into my open water, <laughs> but I literally... got a chance, Jenny, not a chance. I don't blame you, to be honest. Um So in that three-month period, I kind of, um you might have seen some videos, I actually got a... a um a paddling pool and tied my feet to uh the side and swam on the spot um well wow. so like there were, it was an interesting um three months but basically i turned into a do athlete over those three months um but now yeah now we kind of get to swim it's um i only swim three times a week now just because um elites get to like professional athletes get to use the pool on limited times but we've actually just gone into another um, national lockdown so well, n- nobody else can we're extremely lucky that we get access to the pool to be honest um, and and all gyms and swimming pools are, are closed to the public
0: and is that only where you are um, so what about the rest of the of the country no, Is that's it the just all, only where you
1: are. No, that's all of UK. All of UK have gone yeah. into, um, so all, it, we've kind of gone into the highest one of our lockdowns where all non essential shops um, have closed um, and all gyms and sporting facilities have closed. Um, yeah, we, we can still exercise and, and go outside, and so that's good, um, but you can only do that with one other person from a different household.
0: So that must make it interesting with training then. Oh yeah, definitely. I think
1: um that's that's why really that it's it, I'm either training solo or training with Sophie. Um
0: Right.
1: Uh which is which you know what, it's shorter term, it it's fine because obviously I, I'm training for Daytona, so I get to be a lot more specific into my training. Um but then it's quite nice when you know we can do sessions like we we did yesterday
0: and i suppose jodie i mean we talk about the lockdown just in the uk but i think uh there's several countries right now in europe in the same situation
1: yeah i think france have just i think france is still in another um high lockdown um so it, you know what it it, it it it's going to be interesting going into it to see what people have actually been able to train um yes and, and what Facilities they've been able to use. I know a lot of people have been turboing, uh, on running ma- or running on running machines. Um, we're actually really lucky here that we can, you know, run and cycle outside weather permitting. <laughs> um, it's just swimming that's kind of had to take a bit of a, uh, a backseat really.
0: Well, I'm pretty sure all of the long course athletes out now are just doing fist pumps, going yes, because. I I don't think they'd be too bothered if if you uh if you like like to call you you super fish you've had to have some time out of the water, although I mean does it really does it really take you that long, to get back to, where you need to be? I love it that you're calling me a
1: superfish because I'm far not these, you, go- like these guys you are, are you, no like like these these girls are far faster than me. I think I I'm just a good racer. I think, like. Like these girls that like to put it into like Sophie does, twenty five I think twenty five seconds for a fifty like, and I can't I can't break thirty like, I like so I'm swimming with these girls that are bloody fast like and yeah it's like I, I think I'm just really good when it comes well I she I say I'm I'm quite good when I, I get into a race scenario I haven't done it for twelve months so we'll soon see um but i think that's my saving grace is that i'm actually quite good when i get into a race scenario um but once i got back from having that massive period of swimming oh my god i was like a brick like and i still i still kind of feel that i haven't got my swimming back um it's taking me quite a bit of time it's different i can get my cycling back quite quickly and i can get running back um reasonably quickly um but swimming, no, it takes me personally a while to get back to swim form.
0: And that's interesting because, I mean, you come from a swimming background. You started swimming when you were
1: four four years yeah. old. But, wow. then, but then I was never like um, a lot of, I think a lot of triathletes have kind of come from a swimming background and then taken up triathlon, um, whereas I'd always been a triathlete. Like, So I've always kind yeah, of okay. done swim, bike, run. Um, so I've never really um, had this one out of the three disciplines that have been that's my go-to. Um, they've kind of all been. I'd say swimming's always been my weakness.
0: That's so funny. Oh, in long in long course racing, it's certainly not a weakness. I can guarantee you. <laughs> Oh, it's it's just it's all it's all perspective, isn't it? It's all what you're used to, and and then you know you you think about the likes of uh, Georgia Taylor Brown and those guys, and you think about how they're swimming, and then it's like oh, far out, it's a whole new ball game.
1: Yeah, and you can see, I mean, when you've got like two of the fastest swimmers that are British, so you've got Jess Lee and yes. you've got Sophie Caldwell, yes. and you're like, well, I yes. train with yes. one of them, so you always feel pretty shied when you're doing a swim session with Sophie, like these yeah unless i've actually killed her on the bike before it um, then i might have there's
0: so that's the that's that's the secret then is it you need to take them out smash their legs on the bike so they then uh they then slows them down a bit in the pool i like i like that that. (laughs) and so jodes when do you actually when are you leaving to head over to um to florida to daytona
1: so i fly on the 1st of december um I fly in the morning. Um, I've already had one flight cancelled, so fingers crossed this one doesn't. Um, and then okay. arrive on the same day on the evening.
0: And and I'd say are there are there a fair few of you coming over together. I mean, obviously, obviously I know Katrina Matthews and Ruth Astle are already in the States. They both raced Ironman Florida um, and have based themselves there now. But for the for the rest of you. Uh, well and Holly Holly Lawrence of course he's already based in the states. Um but a, is there a small group of you coming over together or you're on your own?
1: I'm on my own. Um I think some of the guys are coming out on the Monday. Um so they okay. they're going out a day before me. Um but yeah, I'm going over kind of solo. Um and just I suppose it's another way to kind of keep in my own bubble as well it's like you know I'm I'm driving down myself to the airport um like when I get to Orlando I'm hiring my own car to then drive to um Daytona Speedway like it's just it's trying to do everything possible to kind of stay in my own little bubble
0: Yep, stay safe and I, I think you've hit the nail on the head there and I think that's what most are doing and Again, because I was able to experience Daytona last year and I get to see the little bubble that they've created because, um, I mean, obviously there's been talk about whether the race should actually go ahead, is it safe, and I would probably be talking like that too if I hadn't been to the race last year and seen the setup and seen how incredible um, the actual race venue is and how it, it truly can be shut off to the rest of... Um, of the area and obviously the hotels that we've got you staying in uh, are right next door um, so I know that both the PTO and Challenge Daytona are doing everything within their power to make sure that this is this is a safe race for everyone and at the end of the day I, I like you said for for people like yourself that love this sport you do it purely for the love of the sport not not to make millions of dollars <laughs> um, I think you need this I think everyone needs this they need to Have this race, um, just something to look forward to at the end of what's been a ghastly year for so many.
1: Oh yeah, I think you know, a lot of people, everyone's saying that this this whole pandemic. A lot of people have been suffered mental health wise, and you know, for for athletes as well. I mean, we're Fruit Loops as it is, but um, like this (laughs) is this is kind of what we need mentally as well. and there's some athletes that have chosen not to and, and that's absolutely fine and but for a lot of athletes on the start line I think we need this um and yep. it's so fantastic of challenge and PTO to be
0: able to to put this opportunity on for us no look I I completely agree with you and I've had this discussion obviously many times with so many of my friends who are, some of them are ex-athletes, some of them are still athletes. And, and, and I think you've, you've nailed it. It's, it's personal choice and it's what, what you need and what you feel is best for you at this particular point in time. And, you know, obviously I am denied about going over. I mean, I'm not racing. I'm, I'm just working the event, but you know, I love this sport as much as I did when I was an athlete. And just as you've said, I need this for my mental health as well. As crazy as that sounds, I, I feel exactly the same way as you would as an athlete so i'm I, I totally understand where you 're coming from
1: so it's like we 're so used to you know i mean how many times would you pack your bike in a bike box and and travel and and go and race, and as you said previously, like yeah. we 'd probably do it once a month um throughout the yeah. year, and we kind of it's having that release of the race um you know you kind of have that whole process of You've trained this massive block, you've put all this effort in, then you get to have the easier preparation going into it, then you enjoy pushing yourself to the max in the race, and then that buzz off the end of it um, that we're kind of all addicted to. Um, and we haven't had any of that this year. And no, to no, go a nothing. whole year without anything like that, as you said, you can't, you can do all the training sessions in the world, but nothing simulates a race.
0: No, totally agree. I totally agree. Well, listen, Jodie, I know that you have got training to do today. Um, Thank you so much for your time. You're an absolute angel. You really are. Um, When I introduced you as one of the smiliest athletes in the world, I wasn't joking. Um, You've always got a smile on your face. I know this year's been the roughest ever for you. So for me personally, to see you on the start line in Daytona, it's going to put a smile on my face. So I cannot wait to see you in a couple of weeks' time. You stay safe till then um, and happy training.
1: Thanks, Belinda. Thank you for having me. Look forward to seeing you in a couple
0: of weeks. Me too. Thanks, Jodes. Thanks for listening to the official Challenge Family podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, please leave us a review. We're just loving your enthusiasm and next to that, it will also help other people to find the podcast. The making of this podcast would not be possible without the help of the professional triathletes organisation, Challenge North America, and our amazing partners Powerbar, Otso, Sport No Limit Group, Lubos Bilic Training, and Soul for Souls. But for now, thanks for listening, and I'll be back soon for another coffee.